listening to The Train Gods. What's going on, Player Profiler Nation? Welcome to the latest episode of The Trade Gods. I am your host, Maddie Kiwoom, and I am joined by my fellow Trade God brethren, the morning man himself, Ooh. Mr. Jason Alwine. What's going on, Jay? What is up, man? Happy to be back. What might be our final Thursday night Trade God episode? Ooh, you know, we got to make it a special tease, one. Little tease. We have an announcement to make. We'll make it at the end of the show, so stick around for that. But we have a very, very special episode. Not only am I back, I was on the road for the old day job last weekend. Good old Springfield, Missouri. Oh. I wasn't able to make it back in time to record, but... Neither was Jason, so I didn't know. We were completely first. replaced. It was a second whole set of trade gods. Seth and Tyler did a great job, great episode last week. Boys, thank you for filling in. But them gods are back in town, <laughs> and we're ready to break down some trades, and they're very, very special trades. Now, Jason, why are the trades so special tonight, and why will our listeners get a different dynamic behind these type of trades? Yeah, tonight's trades are all from the fantastic, wonderful, mystical Trade Gods Invitational Dynasty League, our 14-teamer built up of you guys, the fans. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride. We've had some trades come in all over the offseason, so we're going to see how some of them have aged. Looking at a couple of the blockbusters, some of the recent ones, it's, 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 a, it's a packed episode with some TGIF trades. TGIF action, super fun league, crazy active league. I mean, the amount of trades that have occurred in this league, and it's not even the season yet, is absurd. I can't wait till the season kicks off. But, you know, the, the, what makes this episode special for all of our listeners, even the ones not in, maybe even especially the ones not in TGIF, is that we're going to kind of dive behind the scenes. We're going to talk about trades that we have made together. With one another, we're going to talk about a little nuance behind doing a uh, a mega blockbuster, a, a one, two, three way trade. So we've got a lot that we're going to dive into, and we're going to be able to provide a whole lot of insight with these trades because these are trades that we may either be directly involved with or indirectly involved with. And what I mean by that is even if a trade goes down your league that you're not involved with, the repercussions of those trades will absolutely affect your outcome. Did one team get way better than the field did one team completely go to the, go you know completely sell too much there there are ramifications yeah. for all trades even the ones you're not in so i'm very excited to break down the trades plus them boys in the tgif demanded that the gods talk about the trades that we yep. are making in this league so we figured if it's going to be our last thursday again another spoiler stick around the other show <laughs> might as well go out on a high note talking yep. about the tgif so jason Let's dive right on into it, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Trade number one. We're going to kick it off exactly oh. how we're supposed to. Between a trade that Jason and I made together uh, with one another in the TJF. So this, for context, all of these trades of the night will have the same league context. A 14-team PPR Superflex 1.75 tight end premium start 10. We got some guys in the chat. Harry Snowman's in the chat. He is also in the TGIF. So it's going to be a fun one. So let's talk about this trade. So as it broke down, I traded away not one, not two, but three 2024 20, seconds to get DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. So I'm going to kick it to you because there's a little additional context of why the volume was necessary. And I don't want Mr. Allwine to come out. We could talk about this, like a couple of young gents. So Jason, like give us some context behind this trade and then kind of give us your thoughts on why you accepted the three seconds. Yeah. I'll start by saying Mr. Allwine won't be here for this trade but Mr. Allwine was there for this trade. I know I was very hard to deal with getting this trade done. I was very firm. You just wanted DeAndre Swift for like two <laughs> seconds, I think. And I was like, no, <laughs> that is a fair trade. But I'm not trading DeAndre Swift unless I also trade Rashad Penny and you throw in a third second. Uh, and you know, it, it took, it took a while and I'm, I'm glad that you finally caved. Uh, I'm, I'm still not necessarily happy. I made this trade. Um, 
but it had to be done because you know the the roster space in our league is a little narrow and i kind of made the mistake of uh, of uh, of overdrafting if you will in in our auction draft in our start in a, in the in and then the uh, what do we do a little snake secondary auction draft i, I kind of went a bit too hard on players i was a bit over the roster limit i think i was like I think I was like seven over <laughs> during this trade, uh, so, so uh, it had to be done, yeah. uh, and and that's kind of the full context of what happened here. <laughs> so if you're new to the show, because we've talked about this league before, but um, I want to talk about it again because we're, we're going to take our times with these trades. We're going to give you the all-encompassing, you know, 360 view of the trades themselves, the leagues, and then because you know we're going into the biggest, busiest draft weekend of the year, especially for your home leagues, your casual leagues. This is the weekend that these trades are going to, or these leagues are going to pop off. So we're just going to dive into league stuff, met, like the person stuff, the player stuff, all that stuff. So uh, one thing I want to bring up is how this league uh, started, and it, it was honestly one of the one of the most fun starts I've had to a league. Because what we did was completely customize it. Sleeper, shout out to Sleeper. Sleeper, very much a fans of player profile, and we're very much fans of them. Very customizable. And what we were able to do was have a league where we started with, what, five rounds or five nominations auction. So it was a chance for all the teams to bid on the top dogs of the league. It's a 14-team league, right? I mean, this is a deeper league. So uh, there's going to be a bunch of nominations, you know, over 60 players nominated. So we wanted to give everyone a chance to be on an equal playing field, not be completely beholden to the luck of the draw of the first round draft slot. So we did a five-round auction, followed it up with a, 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 a few slow drafts because you have to patch them together. And then we had this league, and Jason made trades all throughout decided to load up on players, uh, good players, but seven more than you're supposed to in sleepers. So he had to shed some weight. And and what I want to talk about this trade is the value of being patient and the value of being open with your trade partner, the person you're dancing with being open because – you know, I came after DeAndre Swift. I made it. I made no be. You know, I made no mistakes about it. I wanted DeAndre, and I was coming after DeAndre, coming after John DeAndre, and you were honest with me. You're like, listen, I don't really want to trade DeAndre, but I will because you have Najee. Like, I mean, you're running back was pretty loaded, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, right now it's headed by Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. It was a lot more loaded at the time. I've kind of shed some weight, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, I'm still very happy with Najee and ETN and there's some others in there too. James Cook, I think. Yes. You had a bunch of, yeah. Yeah. So you had a bunch of, um, uh, running back. So you were able to sell, right. And the virtue of you being patient, you know, this is what what I want to talk about is you didn't just take the deal. You admitted a few minutes ago that the offer was fair, that you were interested in it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the, it didn't leave you satisfied enough. So you played the time card. You played it patient. And it ended up working out because you got the second, the additional second, and you got me to take Rashad Penny back from you. So you were able to unload two players from your overage, from your surplus, and then get a second round pick. And in the 2024 class, um, you know, there's a lot of good players. They're going to stem into the second round, even in a 14 team league. There will be good players there. So uh, that was the virtue of being patient. But now what I want to tackle is what, you know, what benefited from being honest on both sides. As we, negotiating this trade you know you would put something on the table that i was just i was close but not quite but i would let you know that i didn't just decline yeah. and i think that's a you know a lesson that our, our, our listeners can take from this conversation is sometimes when you see an offer you may not like it you may be lukewarm about it. you might straight hate it don't always go straight to the decline if you can present a counter or if you're in a league where people you you talk to regularly, you can have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can keep the bait on the line and potentially reel in that fish that you were trying to be, you know, that you've been trying to get. So, I mean, that's kind of how we both did. Now, I want I want to hear your thoughts because is that something you typically do, or you just do it with me because you're my, my my fellow trade guard brother? No, I, I I'm always like that. I I like to make everything know known when I'm trading, and I. It's almost a transparency to a fault. Like I like to, you know, I, I think we talked about this on uh, the roundtable last night. Uh, sometimes it's okay to play your cards, you know, mm-hmm. to, because it lets your trade opponent, if you will, know that, you know, they might actually be able to win this trade. You know, they mm-hmm. might be able to get exactly what they want, but it's just going to take some negotiation. And you've got to go down that road. And 
here we are now, both of us, I think we've come away a little bit happy here. I, I still wish I, you know, had these players. Like you said, I loaded up on good players. I like I, all of my depth were rosterable people. Like we had the roster cut down this week and I still like, I, I couldn't figure out who to drop. Mm-hmm. Luckily two of my players landed on IR this morning. So, so it ended up working out, but still like it, it's, um, it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride. And, and, and yes, to answer your question again, I do always make sure to at least give a counter or say why I didn't counter in the trades. Dialogues are important because at the end of the day, I mean, you might call this, we're trying too hard. You might say that we're just too into fantasy, which I think is impossible, but negotiations are dialogue. You know, whether you're negotiating fantasy players, a car, a house, whatever you're negotiating, it's about the open dialogue. It's about a give and a take in which you can get to your goal, but also make sure that the person you're negotiating with doesn't leave feeling like they were screwed over because they're never going to come back for repeat business. And the thing about a fantasy football league is if you're in a dynasty league, especially you want repeat business. There's only at most, you know, 13 or 15 other members of the league. So you want to have repeat business. You do not want to steer people away. So we talked about the, you know, the 360 view of this trade, but now let's dive a little bit more into the weeds. What are you going to play? And I know, transparency that's what the trade gods are all about transparency so yes members of the league you may get a nugget here if you listen and check us out but that's the benefits of rocking with people that are truly about that fantasy football life so when you got these three not one not two but three second round picks in next year's draft are you looking for your future selections to fill out your roster or are you looking for trade bay a little of both what do you what are you thinking about doing with these picks now that you've gotten three of them um it's, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of both. I am one who started to come around to the idea of holding on to draft picks a bit more. Um, I think we've talked about this a lot in shows. You know, you have no idea if the entire country is even going to be under the ocean uh, the next football <laughs> season. So, <laughs> you know, like sometimes I like Back to go to all that, in. Are we, Jason? Back to the morbid stuff. <laughs> it's the last Thursday episode. We've got to go back. <laughs> But, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll see what I can do with this. But as we've learned from this year's draft and last year's draft, there's so much value in that second round. And in this league, as Harry Snowman has pointed out multiple times, it is filled with some sharp people. And so if I have to pick right in the second round next year, I have to pick right in the second round next year. I'm not going to be using them as throw-ins, I don't think, in this kind of league, uh, unless it's like to upgrade a piece or something. Yeah, understandable um but if i know you jason and i think I do, be gone. <laughs> there's a chance that you you may not have any of these by the next time we record together so we'll, we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes and for me uh i have just been uh getting more and more excited about deandre swift and yep. <laughs> their offense it's because of the team he's on and it's because he's just an efficiency monster and the offensive line's incredible in philadelphia and I know that they may have a bit of a crowded backfield, but don't we kind of want that for DeAndre Swift? Don't we want him to play more than 14 games, which he was his career high last year? We want to play in more games because he's going to be effective if he plays in more games. The least amount of touchdowns he's scored in his three years as a pro is seven. In this offensive line, he can see double digits even if he doesn't really you know, surge past that 225, 230 touch marker. He could, st- he could stay around 2, 215, 225, be hyper, hyper efficient, score a whole bunch of touchdowns, and really be a difference maker. And the thing about DeAndre um, that I'm personally betting on, that I understand people may not because the track record is not there, but I also believe that players change trends, and DeAndre Swift could be that type of player. Jalen Hurts doesn't throw to his running back often, but he has never had a running back who is this dynamic in the passing game. And I know Kenny Gainwell is pretty good, but DeAndre Swift is crazy good at catching the football and being an effective pass catcher. He had a 1.78 yards per route run that was fifth best. He had the 12th most most receptions and only playing 14 games. He was 11th in receiving yards. He is an absolute beast in the backfield catching the football. And again, let me talk about just his hyper-efficiency. He was third in fantasy points per opportunity. So he doesn't need crazy volume to get it done. I think he could be very, very effective on this roster. And then getting Rashad Penny, at the end of the day, why I justified this trade to myself and why I was willing to add the extra second was Penny is the guy that you, it's like having insurance on your car, right? You don't like paying for it every month. 
you wish it wasn't around, but when all of a sudden someone rear-ends you, you're going to be very happy that not no money comes out of pocket because you're able to get your fender fixed because insurance had your back. So we could be talking about you know this trade in November, and I could say to myself, I'm, thank God I had Rashad Penny because DeAndre Swift got hurt again, and Rashad yep. Penny's playing pretty well. So I was able to justify that to myself. But how it's aged since we've made it, Jason, do you think you've grown to like it more, like it less? How's it come? You know, how's it how's it grown on you? Well, I mean, I still think I'm 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 really exactly where I was in, in our negotiations. You know, I was still was like I think DeAndre Swift is worth the first. Uh, I still believe that. Like, I think the upside is there to make it worth it. Uh, and so, just like basically two seconds for him and the second for Penny is just like it's not quite there. I don't think. Like, I really do think there's going to be a lot of points available for these players. It might not come all at once, but there's going to be games where Swift is hurt and Penny isn't. There's going to be games where Penny's hurt and Swift isn't, and it's going to work out well for you. And that's why I didn't want to have just Penny, right? When you came for me for just Swift, yeah. I knew I had to clear the roster space and Penny was going to be one of the first droppable people because I, ha I didn't have, I didn't have any use for that insurance option. Uh, and that's why I, you know, made sure to sneak them in there. And I just, you know, they call us trade gods for a reason. This was a very good negotiation. And I think we've both come out, you know, at least happy. You know, we both have our team and roster set now. And and this was a big part of getting that done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel a whole lot more confident going from my running back to being the likes of Damian Harris, yeah. uh, Devin Singletary to now DeAndre Swift. So it worked out for both. And the only way I would have hated this trade as we talked about it, you know, as time went on is if one of these or both of these guys had gotten hurt. So I'm excited about that. So let's move yeah. on to trade number two. We are both not involved, but our guy FF president is Mr. Adams and yep. seems 24. This is a, again, 14 team PPR super flexible, but five and premium start 10. President brought aboard Geno Smith, Keontae Ingram, and Brees Hall. To do so, he traded away Trey Lance, Jameer Gibbs, and Kendra Miller. So let's start with the most glaring point about this trade, Trey Lance. Did you have him anywhere in your leagues? And if you didn't or you did, what did you do with Lance? I had no Lance, and you know me, man. I was way too involved on the Brocket ship. Way, way too involved on the Brocket yeah, ship to even Brocket turn off my blinders. Moon. So uh, I never got in on the Trey Lance action, but at the time this trade was made, I mean, this was when Trey Lance to the majority of people was going to be the QB one at week uh, for week one. So uh, that's, that's kind of why it happened. I'm trying to pull up the roster. Well, did you let, answer? I'm going to pull up the rosters real quick. Did you, what did you do with some Trey Lance? If you had any, I didn't have any trailer and I did the scumbag thing. I threw out scumbag offers to Trey Lance everywhere. Um, in my deeper super flex leagues, I did that too. And no one was budget, uh, you know, to everyone's credit. Everyone said, I'm not that low yet. But the truth is, actually, is he? Let me just ask you this way is he a sunk cost at this point? Is he someone that you just get out from underneath? It's never going to happen for Trey Lance. I'm going to say this, and I, I don't know why, but I actually love this for Trey Lance. I really do. I think it has you kind of called it. I did, I did, I did. Like, I, I. I only I thought about it. This was early in the offseason. I remember the day it was June 22nd, wake and take, because I just had to verify it and find it. Uh, and I, you know, had a whole episode breaking down the 49ers room, and it was when the Trey Lance rumors were coming out that he might be moved. And yeah, mm -hmm. I said it should go to the Cowboys. I think that makes the most sense. I think he can learn a lot from Dak Prescott. I think he can learn a lot from McDaniel. And you're in one of the most prestigious franchises of all time. You know, that's just a great place to get reset, find your footing and go forward as a quarterback. And we know Dak Prescott has had the injury concerns as well. I mean, we saw Cooper Rush, you know, very good. I mean, he went undefeated there for a little bit as a starter on that Cowboys team. So I think it's great for Trey Lance. I think it does push back, you know, the potential start date for him ever as a quarterback one. But if it's going to happen, it'll be a good place, right? I mean, he's on the Cowboys now uh, and, he, and he's getting the time and the the expertise that he really does need uh, for such a raw prospect like him. So I'm actually kind of glad in retrospect that I didn't see any accepted trades for Trey Lance. Now, I, like I said, I offered scumbag offers, complete yeah. scumbag offers. So even yeah. if it was a complete sunk cost, I was trading away absolutely garbaggio. So it was nothing special. But the more I think about the Trey Lance situation, the more I think it's over. 
for Lance. And here's why. Because I like what you're saying in terms of the quarterback he can learn from. Sometimes players do get boosts from these, you know, prestigious you know, franchises that yeah. will have these, you know, the legends on the wall and the communications he'll be able to have now with Troy Aikman and Tony Romo and legends of the, of the franchise. Uh, as much as that's a great thing, he also came from San Francisco. So that also had a prestigious uh, franchise. So I don't know if it's really going to get that much more prestigious. Going yeah. To the Cowboys. I don't, it's just like, it's different though. Like the 49ers offense, like Trey Lance just never fit. It was like putting a square piece into a circle hole. And I think now he's a square piece in a square hole in Dallas. That's fair. But he, the thing about Trey Lance that will always be the untold story, the unfortunate part of this, was they were molding the offense for a guy with his skill set. They won football games with him on the field. He actually looked pretty good in the game and a half that he played last year, uh, running the football, almost getting that win in that monsoon in Chicago. Ended up being, it's crazy. Chicago had, what, one or two wins, like two or three wins. One of them came against one of the best teams of football because of a monsoon in week <laughs> one. And what happened was, in my opinion, was Kyle Shanahan, the rumors were swirling that it was Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, John Lynch and the owners wanted Trey Lance. So what happened was they got Lance. He was molding the offense for Lance. And then he gets hurt, and here comes Brock Purdy. Here comes Jimmy Garoppolo. Your quintessential game managers don't F it up. Do what the coach tells you to hit the wide open guy quarterback. And he looked at his, you know, his staff, the executives in San Francisco said, see, see, this was my thing. He's always been linked to Kirk Cousins. Kyle Shanahan wants no mistakes, straightforward football up and down like six o'clock. No mistakes. He wants it to look pretty. He wants it to look Purdy and now Purdy is in and he's off to the races. So, and here's why I think it's done for Trey Lance because in any scenario other than just a season ending injury for Dak Prescott, uh, which is possible, you know, he had it just a few years ago when his ankle unfortunately dislocated and was facing the wrong direction. Other than that, the only chance that he gets to play is if the Cowboys are going for a quarterback in the draft. And what I mean by that is he is your perfect quarterback that you play in the year in which there's a Caleb Williams and your team kind of stinks and you go, Oh, we just want to see what we have in this kid. You don't really build around him. You don't really invest in the asset and try to get return on the asset. You kind of just throw them to the wolves and see what you have. And that historically proves to be very fruitful for that franchise, the team that's trying to get a high pick. So I think that that is his trajectory. If he stays with Dallas, I don't think there's a situation where it's like, Dak Prescott retires or moves on, and then they like, here's the keys, Lance. It's your turn because Dak's not like 38. Dak's in his young mid mid to early 30s, so he's not necessarily on his way out. So I don't love it for Lance. Now, in terms of this trade, the the Lance factor from then to now changes my opinion because it made it a slam dunk, surefire victory for Sebes uh, 24 our guy in, the, in TGIF, and now I think it's a it's a pretty fair C because if you take Keontae Ingram and you want to say Keontae Ingram is a dud-o, nothing, whatever, pretty much cuttable, I think Trey Lance is kind of right there with you. So it, it just makes it Geno Smith and Jameer Gibbs for Brees Hall. I mean, Brees Hall and Geno Smith for Kendra Miller and Jameer Gibbs, which I think is pretty fair if that's what you need. If you have the extra quarterback – you can go ahead and get a, a two rookie running backs, one of which is going to settle right into that top five to seven running backs in Dynasty. And Keontae uh, or Kendra Miller has a real chance to pop if he can stay healthy. I mean, I really hope we are not dealing with a situation where Kendra Miller just can't get right early on because his opportunity to establish himself in this damn league comes in the first three weeks with with Kamara on the sideline. And now he had a knee injury that he bounced right back from, which was great. And he just left practice today with a hamstring injury. If, if Kendra Miller cannot stay healthy, Oh my God, it will, it will break my heart. It will absolutely break my heart. So I think this trade was fair. I think president probably comes out a little bit better because in a 14 team super flex quarterbacks are gold. And Geno Smith last year had a career season and they, he was rewarded with a pretty fat contract over 4,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns. Um, he was great in money throws, third in money throws, seventh in air yards. And once JSN comes back, Jason, holy cannoli, he's going to have weapons out the wazoo. So I like this for president just slightly. Uh, I would give it him, I'll give him just, I'll give him an extra point. I think he takes it slightly because this, this Lance. So what do you think about this trade? Do you think it's a clear win for Prez or do you think it's pretty balanced? I know you're big on Gibbs. 
Yeah, so I think it's a clear win for the president here. And there's a lot of factors playing into that. Before I get into it, I do just want to back up to Trey Lance and say that the Cowboys do have an out on Dak Prescott's contract at the end of the season. I don't think they'll take it, but his contract is expired to end at the end of the 2024 season. Could they extend him? Probably. But for the sake of entertainment, Trey Lance is 2025's Jordan Love. I don't know who our producer is this evening. Please send me that quote. Clip <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, unfortunately, here for Sieves, they took a big gamble and lost. And I commend them for doing that. You know, you go out, you try to get the young, um, unproven talent in Trey Lance, but you think, you know, he's at the 49ers, he's got all the weapons, everything at this point in time is pointing up. You think it's good. Coder. Um, but it just didn't work out. And I look at Steve's roster and I unfortunately see that Geno Smith at this time was their quarterback too. And now in their super flex spot, they don't even have a quarterback because of this move. Mm. And that just really, really hurts them. Um, and it's, it, it, it does suck because I think it was a fun gamble to make and it really could have paid off in, in, in massive, massive dividends. And I, and, you know, I, I hope they keep bringing that type of swagger to the TGIF because that is very fun. Um, but I think ultimately this trade boils down to Jameer Gibbs and Kendra Miller for Brees Hall and Keontae Ingram, uh, or technically, I guess, Geno Smith and Trey Lance. Geno Smith for Trey Lance is, is yeah. basically what it boils down to. I think Brees Hall and Gibbs are canceled out, Ingram and Miller. And you talked a little bit earlier about DeAndre Swift being hyper-efficient. And when you talk about hyper-efficiency, Brees Hall is the top of that list. Last season in only six games, number one in yards per touch, number two and breakaway run rate number three in true yards per carry number three in yards created per touch all of those top of the nfl efficiency metrics come while also being number four in stacked front carry rate and only a 48.8 percent snap share i am still buying Brees hall right now uh in this point of time i think he's going to be amazing and so I love acquiring Brees Hall. I still think him and Gibbs are basically neck and neck. And then, I mean, getting Geno Smith, who last year had some massive concerns. I want to say this also. Sorry sorry to just talk about these players so long. But there were some huge concerns with Geno Smith last season that I do think need to be talked about. And that is that he led the league in interceptable passes. He led the league in danger plays. He was number 16 in expected points per game and somehow doubled it, finished eight in points per game. Something probably will give. I do think, luckily, on his side, JSN coming in is going to help him. Bringing in Charbonnet is going to help him. Helping the offensive line is going to help him. But I don't necessarily think we can totally say that Geno Smith is locked in as this type of quarterback who's going to be the general for the Seahawks for the next few seasons. I do still think he's on a trial run here. That's evidenced by the contract having an out at the end of this season. Uh, it's not a massive contract. You know, he's only making $25 million a year. That is Jimmy Garoppolo range. So the Seahawks probably do elect to keep him. But I do just want to urge some caution with Geno Smith dynasty owners that I think this is, you know, a one-year trial period here. He'll probably have another year next year, but that they are starting to look for his replacement 100%. And so, you know, it might be a use him for this year then look to sell kind of scenario building up around Gino. I often wonder, will the Seahawks regret not taking Richardson at, at oh no, he went five, four to five. Never mind. Yeah. Throw yeah. that thought out. Anyway, mm-hmm. one thing I do want to echo echo about being a little bit cautious about Geno Smith is I wonder if this defense doesn't smother the opposing offense. And if healthy, you know, Walker um, and Charbonnet it's a really, really good pair. It could be one of the best in the NFL if they're both healthy and as dynamic as we think that they are. Super young, super green, um, but very, very good with a lot of upside. So I just wonder if this defense isn't one of those that really kind of chokes out opposing offenses, and they don't have to air it out. They yeah. can just kind of be more of that game manager that Pete Carroll loves to deploy in fantasy football. I, I'm actually working on the cornerback rankings for player profiler. Uh, four. 
their top four cornerbacks are in my top 100 going into week one. So, I mean, the addition of uh, Witherspoon at number five overall in the NFL draft puts together one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the NFL. So it's going to be tough for shootouts, but I think we've talked about this trade enough. Let's move on to the next one. It comes from Siebes again and the FF Bearded Prince. And this one was chosen because, well, Evan Hull right now, his market value is a bit steamed up. So I want to kind of dive into that. So he yeah. was able to acquire Evan Hull and a 24 second, and he traded away Kendra Miller in a 24 third. So the swap of the picks for a swap of running backs. Uh, what do you think about Evan Hull now that, you know, Taylor is wanting a trade? Uh, didn't get a trade, but is going to be out for the first four games. So do you think it's the Evan Hull show? Do you think it's a shit show? What do you think about Evan Hull in the Indianapolis backfield? I think it's a shit show. And I know you did allude to this last night on the round table. This will be a quote of mine hitting Twitter at some point over the next few days on wake and take a couple, whenever the Jonathan news, Taylor broke uh, the Jonathan Taylor news broke. I did say, don't pay up for any Colts backup running back. No point to do so. It's too mucky right now. I think ultimately, if you are holding on to Evan Hull, it might be an end of season play. And so you're talking about a roster clogger for the first eight, nine weeks of the season before you then see him out on the field. And then Jonathan Taylor's out here. You've lost all confidence. A report on uh, from The Athletic yesterday was that Zach Moss will be the starter if healthy. And Deion Jackson last year was very impressive when he played. So I am not really in on Evan Hole. I think all three of those guys are going to get work. I do think Evan Hole, as the season will go on, will be the one to roster. And going into 24, Evan Hole will be the one to roster. But for this season, I'm not really in on this trade, though. I think I will take that Evan Hole side because, like I just said, I think he'll be good to own in 2024. I think he'll be great to own if Jonathan Taylor does end up being traded and they've ended up with the better draft pick in the second rounder that we talked about at the top of the show. Very, very valuable pick heading into next season. I am full on selling Evan Hall anywhere that I have him. Yeah. because I just believe yeah. his ceiling isn't there. And it's mainly, I, I think his best case scenario is Tyler Algier. And Tyler Algier had a thousand yards last year. And he was what? Pushed aside by one of the best running back prospects we've seen yep. in years. So I don't think there's a whole lot of upside to Evan Hall now no, or no. the long term. Uh, yeah. But where this trade kind of aged poorly, I would say, is in the fact that I believe that given today's hamstring news, given the Jonathan Taylor news, Siebes could have traded away or the or Bearded Prince could have acquired Kendra Miller for Hull damn near straight up. So yeah. sometimes this is where timing is a big deal because you mentioned it. Going from a third to a second is a big deal in a 14-team league, the asset of which he could either trade for or acquire via the draft is pretty good. I think it's going to be something that matters, something that you can use in this yeah. league. So getting the second, even though you have to give up a third, I think is going to prove to make this be really, really, really beneficial for Steve's getting that second because if Miller is going to be off injured and Evan Hull has one good game where he falls in the end zone, he could have 20 yards rushing and score a touchdown fall in for another one or something and you could sell even higher than this so I, I i would have loved it if it was straight up because i think kendrick miller is that type of prospect you want to buy into if there's any dips in his value and i think evan hall is one that i'm looking to sell jamie in the chat what can we sell evan hall for in dynasty jason what do you think you could sell hall for today you could, probably, you could probably fetch yourself a second right now or really take your pick of any handcuff in the league, if there's someone you like, you know, you could probably swap them. I think this is actually a great segue. I wanted to ask, do you think rookie handcuff running backs are overvalued? These Kendra Millers, these Evan Holes, because you could take these guys. You could go get Keontae Ingram plus. You could go get Joshua Kelly plus, right? And at the end of the day, you can't argue that any one of those players will score more fantasy points than the other. And so do you think that, that that's kind of an interesting narrative with the with the handcuff running back market going on? Yeah, I definitely look to sell rookie handcuffs in season because uh, you can get a lot for them. Uh, but there are certain ones that I will have to evaluate by themselves. And Kendrick Miller is just a prospect that that's I'm fair. into. He's that's a prospect fair. profile that I'm into, a situation that I'm into because, you know, all of a sudden we jump for joy that Alvin Kamara is going to be out for three games, which as an Evan, uh, uh, um, Alvin Kamara roster in one of my leagues uh, i'm excited for that but 
don't get it twisted. He's getting to that age apex. He's getting to that point of running back, no return. And his efficiency metrics have dipped pretty significantly from 21 to 22. So I'm not in love with Kamara long-term, which means I do kind of love Kendra Miller long-term. In the third round draft capital, I think buys him as an additional year. I mean, look what Javante Williams got with his big injury. Third round draft capital, he's going to be going into this season as someone who's going to get a whole lot of touches. So yeah, I, uh, Kendra Miller is probably um, – the anomaly, not the rule, but as a rule, I do agree with you, Jason, that you can sell these rookie handcuffs for second or third year handcuffs. And the principle is the same, right. but you can get an additional asset. I mean, right. take Evan Hull for Chuba Hubbard in the third, done. Boom. You know what I'm saying? And Boom. I don't think you're really far out from the dance. And this is something, Jamie, if you're still listening, uh, shout out to you. I would definitely try to do if you can. If you got a surplus at anything, whether it be draft picks, receivers, another running back, See what gets you at the table for Antonio Gibson. You know, the buzz around him is really just high with those who love Antonio Gibson, myself included. But the buzz as a whole is not all that high. You know, there's a lot of people excited for not excited, but understanding that Brian Robinson's going to have a role. They saw Chris Rodriguez get a whole bunch of touches and he's going to be there. But our guy Cody says he's one of the worst running backs he's ever seen. So I'm going to I'm going to trust him on that. And I think trying to buy into Antonio Gibson, who's big, fast great catcher of the football has two seasons with double digit touchdowns. Uh, that's the table that I want to get at. So that's what I'm looking to do with Evan Hall, Jamie, but as a whole, this is, I think I really was excited to bring this trade up because it does show you and show our listeners and our, and our viewers the importance of timing when yeah. this trade a month ago felt smart, felt good on both teams. I'm sure. Cause it's not, it's not lopsided either way, but, you know, bearded prince selling hole. He probably could have got Kendra Miller straight up today. So yeah. it's one of those things that timing does matter. But all in all, good trade, boys. I like it on both sides. Both of you guys came away with with assets. I think you're gonna be excited about over the long term. Trade number four is a blockbuster, and it feels like we're playing six degrees from Kevin Bacon, where we start with one guy trading with another, and the parallels to that guy going to another. It's like this chain yeah. game we're playing because bearded prince is back, but this one is a bit of a blockbuster. And why I wanted to bring this trade up is the importance of overvaluing guys with shitty draft capital like Dwayne McBride. So John McGlynn, our boy, he's been on the show before, fan of the show, friend of ours. He acquired himself some Kyle Pitts and got Dwayne McBride as a throw-in and traded away Dalton Kincaid in two 2024 seconds. Those second-round picks are a flying in TGIF. So when you see this trade, when you saw this trade a few weeks ago, go down in the chat. What was your first thought? Uh, I was pissed because I'm. I was pretty sure at the time the bearded prince had told me Kyle Pitts was just not tradable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is you know, if if a player is untradable to get a rookie at the same position uh, that at least opens the doors and makes sense why it happened. However, I do think that John got himself a steal here. Kyle Pitts, I talked about it last night on the round table. He's one of my biggest dynasty buys right now. Last season, he finished in an incredible, in an incredible way across many metrics while being injured while Marcus Mariota was his quarterback. He was number two in target share number one in target rate, number one in deep targets, number one in air yard share, number two in average depth of target, number five in expected points per game, number five in yards per route, one of the best indicators on if you are a talented receiver. It is, I'm in on Kyle Pitts next year. I really do think that Desmond Ritter is better than Marcus Mariota. I think that he's basically going to be the odd man out in terms of who defenses can cover against the Falcons, I think they'll have answers for Desmond Ritter. I think they'll have answers for Drake London. I think they'll have answers for Bijan Robinson to a degree, but you can't cover all those guys and cover Kyle Pitts. He's too much of an athletic freak, a freak to cover him while also letting the rest of this high powered offense go to work. So I really do think Kyle Pitts is in for a massive year and when I break down this trade, I view it as Dalton Kincaid in a second for Kyle Pitts, and that's just not enough for me. I would much rather have Kyle Pitts on this side. Um, and John wouldn't trade him to me, but I wish he would. <laughs> yeah, so my follow-up question to you, if they both hit their 99th percentile outcomes, like they both ball the okay. F out, where would you put Pitts and Kincaid in Dynasty? 
I guess one and two. I mean, if they both hit their 99th percentile outcome, they're both one and two now because uh, I think Mark Andrews is leapable and Travis Kelsey is definitely leapable given his age, even if he does repeat again this year going into 2024. And if these guys bring out some great seasons, they're both attached to great offenses. Uh, yeah, they could be number one and two right there. And then at that point, Bearded Prince has one and that it will just come to, as we talked about in the last trade, timing. Okay. Uh, you just said something that um, we need clipped. We need a lot of things clipped tonight, but this one is definitely needed to be leapable. I like that. When we're talking about rankings, dudes be leapable. I like that. I'm going to keep that in the back of my back pocket. Okay. okay yeah. uh, you, you've covered everything about Kyle Pitts. Um, you're a big fan of Pitts this year. Uh, yeah. You're getting me kind of hyped more so than I thought I would be about Pitts in some of my leagues coming up this weekend uh, with some of the buddies. Uh, maybe I will try to dive into the old Kyle Pitts waters. Yeah, he's cheap, man. He's cheap. He's cheaper than you ever would have thought he would have been. I mean – I can say this now, uh, but my long-standing home league, my favorite league in the entire world, the Golden Pony Fantasy Football Experience, I have Travis Kelsey, and I was down in the dumps early in the season, so I was looking to maybe get younger, and I offered Kelsey for pitch straight up, and he wanted more than just Kelsey, and I ended up calling him crazy. Thank yeah. God I didn't because Kelsey's Kelsey, and Pitts is a disappointment. His value's down, like you said, yeah. and being able to get him for what you possibly can now is fantastic, but – a couple things I want to talk about when it comes to this trade. First thing is the frustration you get in your league. And this is what we kind of talked about yesterday on the, on the Dynasty Roundtable about knowing the psychology, knowing the profile of your league mates, kind of understanding how they do business, how they like to operate, all that stuff. And sometimes when you get to know your league mates well, um, in this case in particular, John McGlynn getting Kyle Pitts is a devastator because we know Kyle Pitts ain't going nowhere now. I know. And, God. <laughs> I call these guys black pits. I call these guys black holes in my leagues. And it sounds really mean, but I'm not. All I mean is when certain players acquire certain athletes, you're never getting them. And John yep. Glenn also has Antonio Gibson and will never trade him. So it's like, damn it. And everyone's home league, everyone's casual leagues, everyone's fun leagues where they know their league mates. They know the black holes where if player X goes to that owner, you ain't getting anything. You're never getting them. So I just want to talk about the frustrations of that. But I also want to talk real quick. One quick point about Dalton Kincaid. And it really made me realize that you need to watch players play football to truly understand how they move, what their profile means, all of that, all that stuff. And when I watch uh, Dalton Kincaid play in the NFL, because it's tough in college because it doesn't always translate, but you got to watch these camp practices when you can. You got to go when you can. You got to watch the preseason games when you can, because when you watch Dalton Kincaid play, he looks way more like Travis Kelsey than I ever would have given him credit for, for between yeah. the draft and the day I saw him play on the NFL football field because he does have good hands he plucked a couple passes out of the air like travis kelsey is known to do he caught a couple he made he ran a few routes that travis kelsey does so well he does look more like travis kelsey than i ever gave him credit for and i know that might be blasphemous because kelsey's a beast and i love kelsey so i'm not gonna sit here and say that this guy is him i got his rookie card right here ladies and gents i love travis kelsey but he does give off a little bit more travis kelsey vibes than i ever thought you know, the good old Harry Snowman down here in the chat, always our good friend. Before the NFL draft, I have a Discord message from the Harry Snowman saying that Dalton Kincaid is the next Travis Kelsey, that he reminds him of Kelsey, loves his gameplay, called him the number one tight end in the draft class when everyone was in on Michael Mayer. The Harry Snowman was in on Kincaid, so I, I love it. And I'm, I'm giving a little props to Snowman, you know, here. <laughs> Shout out to Harry Snowman. I mean, he's one of the best. Uh, my last point in this trade is I know McBride's pretty much a throw-in in this deal, uh, yeah. but be careful with throw-ins. Be careful with guys with shitty draft capital because McBride was a favorite of a lot of them. He popped on the analytics in college. Everyone thought he was going to be a guy who truly vies for meaningful touches in Minnesota, and he's been waived. So, well, he, he did resign with the practice squad today. Yeah, but that well, I mean, when does that give me an example when a guy came off the practice squad and we all loved him in fantasy? Uh, probably like a probably like an Austin Eckler. I was he on the practice squad? I don't, I don't know. Just like it's gonna be someone squad. like that, right? Who just like even like a Phil, Philip Lindsay made the team. Like up, a Philip uh, Lindsay, camp. yeah, like a James Robinson. There's some. There's yeah, but those guys made out, the team out of camp. They didn't get cut waived put on the practice squad and brought back after five injuries and it mattered so you know just be careful 
when it comes to to truly putting all your eggs or even multiple eggs in in a basket of that. But we have a super chat from our boy Sean. Uh, Start 11, Superflex Dynasty. This is a 12-team league. Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Dalvin Cook, or Josh Jacobs. Wait, let me see. How, probably four. Amon Ross St. Brown and Dalvin Cook for Josh Jacobs, Christian Watson into second. So what side would you rather have? The Sun God side or the Josh Jacobs, Christian Watson in two second side? I think the Amon Ross St. Brown, Dalvin Cook side. I love myself some Christian Watson, but I think you've got to stick with the stud here. A guy projected to lead the NFL in targets and receptions in Amon Ra. St. Brown. Uh, listen, Sean, I, I'm with I'm, I'm with my, my trade god brethren here. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Amon Ross St. Brown in this format uh, because Josh Jacobs had 300, over 370 touches last year. That's kind of the kiss of death mark for it running is. backs. It, it's proven to be very problematic the following season. On top of that, he held out all year. And you know, some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. So it remains to be seen, but these athletes, man, they have such a routine. They have such a, 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 a way about going, you know, about their business, a, a, a routine of practice, a ritual, whatever you want to call it. And his was thrown completely out the window. He just went back to the facilities a couple of days ago, a week ago, whatever it was. So I'm a little nervous about that. Love Christian Watson, but I mean, come on. Christian Watson is not Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown is in the he, – he's going to sniff 170 targets this year. Like, that seems yep. like hyperbole. It's not. And Dalvin Cook was brought in for a reason. If you watch Hard Knocks, you've seen – you know, it seems like Aaron Rodgers, he hasn't got a chance to play with Dalvin Cook, but he definitely seems like he wants to let Dalvin know that they're in this together. They're going to try to win some football games together. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be around. Brees Hall is going to get some too. And like you mentioned, he's very efficient. So maybe they don't feel like they have to give him a whole lot of volume. I don't think Dalvin is nothing. I think he's something here. And the two seconds is just not enough to sway it for me. Last year, according to our friends over at South Harmon FF, their warp tool, Amon Ross St. Brown had a 1.39 warp. That was the seventh highest. That puts him in the ballpark of very, very talented receivers and running backs in terms of their value in a fantasy league. Uh, so I'm just going to stick with the best player in the trade in the trade and I'm on Ross St. Brown. Dalvin cook is still good enough for me. And if you can, if you can somehow repurpose something, maybe if you're the I'm on Ross side, you could take Dalvin and kind of repurpose it to get Christian Watson. I'm in on that. But if you're also on the other side of the Josh Jacobs side, well then, you're going to want to go ahead and get yourself some Amon Ross St. Brown. So shout out to Sean for the super chat. And I hope we helped get Amon Ross St. Brown or keep Amon Ross St. Brown. If that's the guy in your squad, because I think this, I don't think this is enough to make it happen. So shout out to you for the super chat. It's getting there though. It is getting there. No, it's good. Like it's a good offer. It's definitely an offer that's worth bringing up. Definitely. If it's a first and a second, maybe I might, I might actually do that instead of the two seconds. Oh yeah. If you can turn those seconds into firsts, or if you can turn, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs into, a younger asset because at yeah. the end of the day, even if you're rebuilding, I'm in Ross St. Brown's young. You can have him over a couple of years. So uh, I, I, I just want the I'm in Ross side of here. We have one more trade. All right. get into. Jo- you know, just a little behind the scenes. Jason and I said, Hey, let's do, you know, let's knock this episode out. Let's go for 40, 45 minutes. Here we are at about 50, 45, 50 minutes. And we still have a trade to break down and it is a doozy. We started with a trade that we made together. We're going to end with a trade that we made together. But this let's one go. was a three way dancer Rooney. I came away with Juju Smith-Schuster, Gerald Everett, and Stetson Bennett. You walked away with Keenan Allen and STLP three three three. The tandem on the in the league is coming with Sam Howell in a twenty four second. So obviously, volume you talked about at the top of the show was a factor here. But just go ahead and tell us why you were willing to give out you know three assets for Keenan Allen. Yeah, it was so it's it started. And this is the beauty of trading and the beauty of Sleeper. Go download Sleeper. Transfer your Dynasty League over. It is the best Dynasty platform. You sent me Sam Howell for Juju Smith-Schuster, Gerald Everett, and Stetson Bennett. I looked at that and said, that is a very fair offer. I should probably accept that. I need to clear roster space, as we just talked about earlier in the show. However, I have Kenny Pickett. I have Brock Purdy. I have Desmond Ritter, who I believe in. I didn't necessarily want a fourth quarterback. I turned that offer 
into a three-way because I saw Keenan Allen was on the trade block. I saw STLP needed another quarterback. And I said, you know what? I'll take that Sam Howell that Maddie was going to send me. I'll add a second. I need some wide receiver help. I'll try to shoot for the moon in a win-now player in Keenan Allen, who I am huge on next season. And we'll see what happens. I think I lost the trade in terms of total value given up. But I think I'm extremely happy in how my team has shaped and how much Keenan Allen will help me next year. I think I think you're I think where I think you're wrong and what you're breaking down is I think I've came, I'm going to come away with the worst part of this trade um, because I like Gerald Everett, man. I like I do Gerald like Gerald Everett, but I think it's just kind of a replaceable player overall, especially when I have T.J. Hawkins in this league. So it was really more of a backup. And I think my love of Juju Smith-Schuster and the love of my hometown Patriots just maybe clouded my judgment a tad. I was really gung ho on getting him, but we're talking about a trade that happened, uh, you know, a month or so ago. And again, the importance of timing. Sam Howell at the time was looking like the starter. He looked okay in the first game of the preseason, but it was still like, oh, is it going to be Jacoby Brissett? What is really going to happen? You know, Ron Rivera wasn't committing. And then cut to today, Sam Howell has all the confidence in the world. He looks like someone who's going to play really, really well in the NFL. And Ron Rivera is kicking himself in the ass for not starting him earlier. So I, I and now that I, I am going to be looking for a QB three. Howell would have been a great QB three in this league. Uh, but I, 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 so I, I'm not really excited about this over over time. But I, I do believe Stetson Bennett does play. Uh, in the NFL this year, I think 100%. there's a chance he plays at least half the season. I think he could play well uh, yeah. as a QB three type. But you know, STLP came away looking great here. Gets a quarterback and super flex. Also gets a 24 dart to throw however he wants to. You come away with probably the best player overall in this trade, and I come away with my hometown Juju Smith Schuster and a couple of bench assets. And I had to pay probably too much to do so. So at overtime. I think this is another lesson in why timing is so important. And sometimes you might think you have the pulse of a situation, but if you're not 100% sure or you haven't seen the red in the tea leaves or red between the lines, all that, you know, all those cliches, stay put, stay, stay, stay grounded, stay present, and don't kind of try to predict the future too much. And I did. I got caught trying to predict the future a little too much with Sam Howell and it could prove to be very problematic for my team. So I don't love this trade for me over time, but I am excited that we were able to pull off a three-way trade. You kind of alluded to how it came about, but why don't you just tell the listeners the, the art of crafting a three-way deal? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it can start how this started, right? Where an offer came in, but you don't necessarily want the piece. So you look at the trade block and see, you know, is there a position of need? This just worked out perfectly. Like I honestly, like I feel like I was peaking essentially. Like it was like everything hit. I saw it well. The paint, the picture was painted. That doesn't always happen for the most part when you're doing a three-way trade, that's the initial offer sent out. And that's when you look at one roster, there's a player you want, but you don't necessarily meet that roster's need. But you might need another who needs something. And so you kind of use all the pieces among three rosters to make a beautiful trade pie. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It really does. But I, crafting these things is so much fun. You do it. You press the trade button. And then you go to Trade Center. And then you pick the teams. And then you start crafting the team or crafting the trade. Uh, it, it, it takes a lot of effort. takes a lot of time. But ultimately, it's going to come down to if you want a player but you don't meet the needs of that other team you've got to throw in a third team who does and you meet that team's needs it's a little convoluted but i'm sure you get the idea <laughs> and to take you know to go full circle with this episode again three-way trades are easier to be done when you are keeping the lines of communication open yes. you're being patient and you're being honest because if you can get information sometimes a trade that doesn't happen can still be as beneficial to your team because of the information that you gather so let's just say you know for the sake of this conversation you know you and i were talking trade we weren't able to come to an agreement you were talking trade with someone else and you go guess who has a piece that can facilitate this trade the person i was just talking trade with so there's a way to weave it together like you said and when you keep the lines of communication honest and keep them open and you're patient with it 
a trade like this can come about. And if you're just so gung-ho on a player trying to predict the future like me, you can come away feeling like shite that you made a trade that shouldn't really work out. And, and you know, we I want to say one thing, too, about the philosophies of trades and, and, and ideas of way to get better at fantasy football. Is, and this is a selfish plug, but I'm going to take it anyway. It's the game plan. Check out the game plan because Jason yeah. was on at the beginning of the offseason, and we talked about the art of buying superstars in dynasty football. So if you're trying to get crazy, go big game hunting in your dynasty league, go back to the beginning of, this, uh, of the offseason and check out Jason and I talking about how to bring in big-time trades and go for those superstars and i've had a number of guests on this off season where we broke down uh dynasty philosophies with alan soslowski I, I had matt the podfather on to talk about taking over an orphan always to get better at different facets of dynasty in a fantasy football so check out the game plan but also thank you guys for rocking with us tonight that's going to wrap up all the trades of the episode but we have a very big announcement for you guys and you're going to want to stick around for that announcement right after we hear about the dominator Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer, so you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win-now team, this is a rebuilding team, and then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side-by-side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it. Big time announcement, ladies and gents. So, Jason, you want to tell the people why they stuck around to the very end to hear about this announcement? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately... The Trade Gods will no longer be a weekly show coming to you on Thursday evenings. We don't want to conflict with Thursday night football. As you guys see, so many great new shows are coming to the Player Profiler Network. And so, as a way to kind of ease the pain and also get everything still scheduled in, we will be alternating weeks with the Dynasty Roundtable every Wednesday night at the same time, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be fantastic. Seth and Matt are fantastic hosts. They cover plenty of the same topics on their roundtable. It's going to be great. We hope you guys will tune into them and, you know, vice versa. You know, it, it, it'll, and that's going to be our, our, our new time. Wednesday, every other Wednesday night, you can catch us here at the Player Profiler Network of Shows. And, and don't get it twisted. We are going to be talking trades for seasonal. We're going to be talking about trades for Dynasty. Giving us that extra week to prepare. Can you imagine the fury we can bring on our viewers and our listeners with that extra week of preparation and, yep. and all that good stuff? So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. We're going to move to every other week on Wednesdays. The amount of shows on this network is truly insane. We're playing a profile to the moon, and we're just not stopping anytime soon. It's just fantastic. And this episode was fantastic. Shout out to everyone in the TGIF. Shout out to you guys for rocking with us on this episode. Jason, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, man. You can tune into me on the Trade Gods with Maddie Kiwu every Wednesday night, every every other Wednesday night. (laughs) at 8 p.m eastern i've got to work on my speech again i had it memorized i had it quick and now i've got to change it (laughs) but otherwise wake and take monday through friday 10 a.m eastern on this channel on the twitter you can catch me on all the player profiler social media channels when you comment on those and you get a reply or a message that is me i'm running the instagram the facebook the tiktok and the twitter these days So go shoot us a follow on all the platforms. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. 
help get those numbers up, up, up. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Maddie Keyroom. Get the articles, the VODs, the shows, all of them here at Player Profiler. Uh, the game plan each and every Saturday. Trade Gods every other Wednesday with Jason Allwine. And the future cast is back. Um, we're taking the baton from one of the greats in the biz, Cody Carpentier. Theo Greminger and I will be bringing you a future cast episode once a month, and it will rep, it will rev up and get more and more frequent as the year goes on. So you're going to be on the lookout for that. And speaking of Cody, if you want to join our Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash the executives and get Cody and Carpentier's and I's Patreon. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff here in the works at Player Profile. Stick around for that. The NFL season is a week away. He's Jason Alwine. I am Matty Kiwum. We are the Trade Gods, and we will see you every other Wednesday.